Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Hadrico Live. I'm your host, Hadrico, and today we sit down with the author of the upcoming book, Muster the Strength to Fight, Tasha Adunyi, as she takes us through her journey and how a Friday night phone call turned into tragedy for her family, but how she mustered the strength to keep fighting, how she dealt with loss, incarceration, and mental health at the same time to make her a better, stronger woman today. Want to learn more about it? Don't worry, I got you, because Hadrico Live starts right now. Hadrico Live. Hadrico, Hadrico, Hadrico Live. Hadrico Live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Hadrico Live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Hadrico Live. And today, ladies, I got an author for you. I got somebody who survived. I got somebody who's been through it. Somebody who is ready to tell you what you need to be able to fight. Don't let me introduce her. I'll let her introduce herself. Ladies and gentlemen, the lovely Tasha Odunyi. Hello, my name is Tasha Odunyi, and I am the author of Mustering the Strength to Fight. And I'm so honored to be here this morning sharing um, this story of inspiration with you. Now, I love all, I'm all about inspiration, but I noticed your title of the book is Mustering the Strength to Fight. Now, usually if you got to fight, it's for a reason. You've been through something, something that's happened that has caused you to fight. For my viewers out there who may not be aware of your situation or things that you've been through, what did you have to go through? What did you fight? Wow. Um, so I found myself in a situation where um, I got a call one Friday evening that my brothers had gotten into a fight. And um, I didn't know a whole lot of details. I just knew that one of my younger brothers was in the hospital and I needed to get there. And then to come to find out that they got into a fight, um, by the time I got to the hospital, he had passed away. Um, so I had one brother who was deceased, one brother who was facing 20 years in jail. And then um, it was like a fight or flight instance. I had to kick in act fast because I felt like I wasn't going to leave my brother alone in this and I began to fight for him and unfortunately um during this process when I said I didn't want to lose a brother I actually wound up losing another brother because the third brother um developed mental illness and he was killed by SWAT so here I was you know you see this stuff on tv you read about it you see it in the news you never think it's going to happen to you and that Friday phone call changed my life and this took everything in me to push through, and it was nothing but the grace of God that I'm here today to share it with you. First off, let me start off by saying I'm sorry for your losses. I mean, there's no magical word that can be given to make that part feel better or go away, but it's definitely something that we do feel our condolences go out to you. But now this fight, let me help me understand this. So your brothers were fighting each other and yes. end up putting one of one of your brothers put his other brother in the hospital. Yes. So how does that, I mean, I can't even imagine the toll that that puts on the brother that not only who passed, but the brother who's still surviving, where is his mental state after going through something like that? Exactly. Um, he's the one who um, passed away. I mean, after the process, um, 
he appeared to be okay, his normal self, but it was just like this gradual change you started to see in him. Um, you started to see him kind of uh, fearful, like feeling like always watching his back and then some of his conversations were changing, like he was paranoid or it was just, it was out of character for him. And at that time I would, um, you know, try to convince him that it was okay to go to counseling, but he would always say, big sis, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. And I'm just like, there's no way any of us are okay after something like this. And I think a lot of that stems from within our community, um, that whole stigma with seeking um, a therapist. You know, um, we were brought up, what goes on in this house stays in this house. We were brought up thinking every time you had a problem, we went to the church. You know, we went to the church with our problems. The church was going to fix our problems. You go sit down, you talk to a mother, you talk to a pastor, elder in the church. But this process has really opened my eyes because I have this thing where I say I can have Jesus and therapy and I have both. Mm. And, you know, with this process, I went through both and I still have a therapist today. And you don't always have to have um What's the word? It doesn't have to always be something present to seek a therapist. And so those are some of the things looking back. I wish I had been more forceful Mm -hmm. and trying to get him to seek a therapist because there were it was a slow process. And I don't think anybody can go through trauma like that and not be impacted, affected by it in some negative way. And so it just really depends. And even me sitting here sharing with you is the grace of God, because we're so quick to say that something wouldn't happen to us or we wouldn't do something. God forbid, what if that had been me? Mm. You know, what if that had been me who couldn't process what happened? And, you know, I just say, just never say what you wouldn't do or, or judge someone else for the process and how they're reacting to a thing because you don't know unless you're presented with that situation. You know, that's definitely true. There is a huge stigmatism in the African-American community about Mental mm-hmm. health, help, just getting help, period. You're right. You mm-hmm. mentioned it great. What happens in this house stays in this house, especially, and it gets even worse, I believe, for African-American males. You think about it. When we raise, when you fall, get up, you're going to be okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Something goes wrong. Boy, you better suck up. Ain't nothing wrong with you. You yeah. Go pray about it. I mean, these are some of the common lines that we hear after going through something, something like you went through so traumatic. Mm-hmm. I can tell that you're an advocate for it. If you had to give advice for that young brother or that young sister out there who is going through something, what would you tell him now after dealing with some of the things that you've dealt with? Man, I would really stress the importance of um, therapy, even if it meant that I had to go with my brother to the therapy. I mean, I was, I'm, I'm the, I was the oldest of seven. And so I was always like that mother figure to him and I just couldn't get him to do it. I mean, um, unfortunately there was even a time where, I, don't, I can't remember what happened in the process, but to find out that he didn't mention it to me, but he had actually seen a therapist, but he didn't continue. And I think they had um, started him on some medication and he wasn't taking the medication. And when I found this out, it was too late, you know, and so just just to have for him to be comfortable enough. And I think what you hit on something um, that's really true, especially as a male. You know, I don't want to tell my sister that I'm, you know, or, you know, somebody in my family. That I'm having these thoughts or that I'm going through that. Exactly. You know, in an African-American community, I don't know why therapy is looked as feeling weak. You know, it's not weak to me. It's showing strength. You're able to go and face whatever it is and work with people who have the practical tools to get you through it. Yes, your faith is important. Jesus Christ is the foundation, but I know that he's blessed people here. Who are able to help me with the tools that I need, and I use both. 
You know, I believe sometimes the privacy that we try to keep takes away our privilege to get the help that we need. So mm -hmm. it's something that we definitely got to get into. So unfortunately, your brother, he gets killed by SWAT. Now you had another brother who was incarcerated. I'm trying to put all these pieces together for the view idea. Mm. I mean, I'm not trying to, hard is an understatement, man. You are going through the trifecta of emotions. Now talk to me about the brother who was incarcerated and this is all happening con con in congruency, like around the same time, correct? Yes, so the fight happened. Um, of course, naturally he was faced with serving the time. Um, I wanna say the fight happened and then maybe two to three years later, this stuff started happening with the other brother. Um, I can't even put into words what I went through because there were so many things coming at me um, from every angle. You know, when my brother passed, I had just decided to take my business home, open up a business in my um, um, off of my garage so I can be at home with my baby. Six months old, I get this call. So now I'm going through this trauma, this tragedy. I'm still a wife. I'm still a mother of three. I'm still trying to run my business. Now I'm in this situation where I'm fighting for not only my life, my brother's life. I'm going to 26 in California jail too. Every time they bring my brother out, I'm coming out. So it was just so many things that just, I, I felt honestly felt like a yo-yo. And, and I, I'll probably say it a hundred times while we're talking, but it was nothing but the grace of God. Because when I look back on it, the strength that I even see within myself that I showed, only a loving God could have done it because, I mean, I don't, I don't want to judge anybody else's trauma, but this is, this is something I never even thought most that could happen to my family. And um, I think one of the things that was so shocking to people, because this happened one Friday night, and by Saturday, I was asking my husband to drive me to the jail to see my brother. And I think he kind of, he knows my heart and he knows the type of person that I am, but I think it even shocked him that it was just like within not even 12 hours. And she wants me, he's like, are you sure? Are you okay? And I felt, you know, I felt hurt. I felt disappointed that it happened, that they got into a situation and got out of hand because, I mean, I don't know if the viewers, the viewers, you have uh, siblings, siblings fight, you oh, know, why was this? different and so the enemy just came in and wreaked havoc and now I'm without two of my brothers but I never felt any kind of way against him I was never I never showed anger to him you know if anything I showed compassion because now this is some a situation he was in that he has to remember every birthday every holiday my mom is still here he has to face her and at that time he had no other support but me and so um I mean, I'm just going to go there. We, as Christians, we're taught to have love and compassion and forgiveness. And how can we show up every day and Sunday at church, you know, saying we love God. And then I'm going to now let my brother fight and be alone in this situation. And I just couldn't do it. You know, first off, the level of forgiveness that that, is, that you're at or that you, you displayed is truly on a different level. Because when you go through something... We always get hurt. And when most people get hurt, they, they hold in and they, they lash. They don't want to give out to anybody else. But you only not only gave out support, you gave out love, you gave out a sister, you gave out a rock. Because I'm pretty sure not everybody in your family was as understanding as you were. Not everybody in your family was as willing to say, hey, I'm still going to be here for you. Not everybody in your family probably mm -hmm. wanted to consider him still to be family. So mm -hmm. I can only imagine the toughness and the strain that that put on you. Now, let me flip it to another place. As you're going through this, I can imagine the toll is taking on your brothers, 
on your mom? Mm-hmm. Where are you at mentally? Like, where? what is your mental space? Man, just crying out to God. I mean, there was so many times I would find myself sitting alone wanting to pray and the words just wouldn't come out. Like, I can see them. I can visualize them. I can feel it. But I just couldn't get it out. And um, those were the times that I just trusted God to he he every tear that I cried, he felt it. And I even in that release, every time I got in those moments, it was just like this push behind me that just every time I felt like I couldn't go any further. He was right there pushing me. He was sending people to impart into me my customers. You know, I had slowed down my business because I scheduled everything around supporting my brother um, because every time they brought him out uh, for a court case, I wanted him. To, I wanted to be there because I was the only one there for him at that time. And to me, in my mind, it showed the judge that he isn't going to be like any of these other inmates who don't have family support. Mm. When he came, came out. I would make it my business to stand because I wanted to send a message not to just the judge, but to the prosecutor. And, you know, that even leads me to I want really people to even think about the situation, like you said, it put me in. On one hand, I was fighting to save a brother's life. On the other hand, I was fighting against the state's attorney who was trying to bring justice for another life, which was also my brother. brother. So I was in the middle of it and it was a tough spot to be in. And it didn't mean that I showed favoritism or loved anyone any, any um, less. Um, I could only imagine as a mother what my mom was going through, what my siblings were going through. But God laid it on my heart. It's the heart that I had, that I have still to this day. And I just feel like when God calls you to do something, sometimes you're going to have to stand, even if it means you have to stand alone. Even if it means every week with a a six-month-old baby at home, finding a babysitter for my church to watch my child so I can be there for my brother. It's a sacrifice. And I think um, the sacrifice, it was definitely worth it. Any life is worth saving. You know, if my brother could go back to this situation, any of them, I'm sure we wouldn't be where we are today. I wouldn't be here talking to you about this, but it happened. What happened? I couldn't change it, but I could do my part. And that's what I felt that I did. Well, you definitely did your part. Now, the brother that ended up getting incarcerated. Now, you had a brother that was killed by SWAT. How How did this? It's. You have you don't even have a Hollywood story because the, the the manuscript and the script is so difficult to keep up with it. He his brother, but then you said your brother got killed by SWAT. It was help help me understand that. Help that understand that for a viewer before we transition to what came out of this. Yeah, so like um I shared, you know, there was just like this slow process of seeing changes within him. And um I remember I had been in school and Crazy enough, I saw this on the news the morning before class. And um, by that afternoon going to lunch, I was receiving a call that my brother had been shot. And I'm like, why would he was so laid back and quiet? You know, he didn't bother anybody. He was kind of a loner. I'm like, how could he get in this situation that would cause him to be shot? Not even knowing the circumstances, what I watched that morning. Um, And then I get this text from my mom, and this is when I knew this mental illness had really got out of control. Um, She said she woke up and she couldn't open her door. And when um, her boyfriend had opened the door, he had found a string tied from her door to another part of the house where she they couldn't get out. And the eyes on the stove, they were not burning, but it was gas. And I was just 
Like mm. that whole overall picture to me was like, this was even worse than any of us could have even imagined. Like he really, really needed to seek help. And it was beyond what he thought that he could do alone. You know, not taking the medication, not rarely seeing a therapist or even sharing it with us so that I can support him in that as well. Just as much as I would have fought for him, supporting him in that just as hard as I fought for my brother who was incarcerated. And so here I was losing two brothers. Now, you took all this pain, all this turmoil, all these unforeseen situations because I can't even write, like I mentioned, I can't even write a script to match your story. But that didn't stop you. Your resiliency was deeper than most can even imagine. You took all this pain and you put it into a book, mustering the strength to fight. Because you definitely had to muster some strength. Tell me about this book and where this book takes us as a reader for somebody who may be going through a similar situation or just a situation where they need their own strength to be able to fight? Well, just as I've shared, it took time getting to this place. I had to go through a process of being healed enough to be able to start to sit down and write this book and even further being able to sit here today to share with you. Um, the book was therapeutic for me. Um, if you read, When you read this book, I wanted you to not only feel and know what I had gone through. Your situation may not be my situation. Everybody's story is different. But when you read this book, everybody probably knows somebody who's dealt with mental illness, somebody who has been incarcerated, um, who's needed to go through prison reform, um, who's had to forgive a family member, who's yet to forgive a family member, compassion, love, and just standing to fight for something bigger than yourself. We all resonate with that. Even if my story, you can't even imagine your family going through something like this. We resonate with something in here. And so I wanted to share my process with you. I wanted to share the experience so that you know that I never stopped pushing at my faith, that my faith in God is what held me. And then I wanted to really dig deep into mental illness and touching on the stigma, how the um, trauma affects part, different parts of your body mm -hmm. is in the book. And then at the end of the book, I really pour out my heart. And um, there's a part in the book where I pray specifically to that person who needs that healing, who needs to um, start to do the inner work to heal, to fight for themselves and to fight for their family. Um, so I think it's packed with a lot of, um, there's the experience, there's a story, but there's also the lessons. When you read the book, okay, what are the lessons that I took from this? What can I use within this book to go forward? And just to let people know, you know what, when we're going through something, you never know how it's going to come out. You think you may not come out. You don't know what's at the end of this thing. But to me, God's track record is flawless. And so those are the things that I held on to. And those are the things that I want you to now take this book, personalize it. What are the stories in my life, my experiences, my trauma? And now how can I learn from this? I'm still here today. And so that to me says, as tragic as it was, God still has a purpose and a plan for my life. And me being here today talking to you is part of that purpose. Wow. To say <laughs> that you are stand, still standing, but you're not just still standing. See, I think that's what we got to, I got to even, I got to correct you, sis. You're more than still standing. You are standing and helping and aiding. And this book is an aid for people who are going through 
a number of things. It's not just if you're suffering from mental health. It's not just if you're suffering from a family member who's incarcerated. It's if you're suffering from the art of forgiveness. And guess what? That's universal. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you go through. We all need to work on the skill set to be able to forgive. This is something that you cover in the book. You also mentioned about how it affects different parts of the body. I want to just, I want to go there. Like, what do you, most people say, well, it just messes with your mental because it just messes with your mind. How else did, how else did the stress and the, and the turmoil and the, the burden and the emotional baggage, what else did it do to you physically? Um, even though it felt like I was walking around day to day with a big T, a cape with a big T on my back, um, you don't see what it's doing to you internally. Um, I remember um, parts of the process where I started experiencing these bad headaches, um, which turned into terrible migraines. So I'm like, OK, let me put this call into the doctor, check myself out. Um, come to find out, she said, you know what, you're borderline high blood pressure. And I'm like. The devil is a lie. We're not having that. It runs in my family on my mom's side, but it's not running with me. And I'm like, and right then and there, I'm like, you know what? No, I have to do something. I've been doing, being everything for everybody else that I have to start making some better decisions. I wasn't eating right. Not necessarily the wrong food, just hardly eating the the right right food. food. I wasn't exercising. I had no time to exercise. I had a baby at home. I had a husband. I had two older children, a business. And now all of this. So um, trying to find Tasha time, it was nearly impossible. But I'm like, you know what? I fought this fight for my my siblings. I have three kids at home who need a mother and they need a mother who who's healthy. And I thank God that my husband was there to support me in this because um, it was just a lot to deal with, you know, um, just trying to live a normal life. And also, on the other hand, you know, showing my kids um the mother that they needed to see and needed me to be. Um, so that was an eye opener for me because I refused to get on high blood pressure medicine. And um, I just started to focus on getting Tasha back together because the bottom line is my brother was in jail um, and I would still have to go see him. He still needed me, but I needed to now make it um, very purposeful and in, in mm-hmm. trying to do what I needed to do for me. I can't even imagine. Like I said, I've said it many times and I can't keep, I can't keep saying it, but it's just when I just put the pieces together, what you have gone through, it's just, it's, it's uncanny, but to see you still standing is not only just a representation of a strong woman, it's a strong leader. It's a strong Mm -hmm. author. It's a strong mother. It's a strong wife. Mm -hmm. That strength that you gained from this, I'm pretty sure it's helped you in a number of other situations in life. And it's also given you the ability to reach out and help others. With helping others in mind, we talked about the community and how we view mental health, you and your own mental health. What are some of the practices that you do to make sure you keep yourself in that space where you can be a help and not a burden? My gosh, prayer, a conversation with God. It doesn't have to be all super deep. You don't have to go sit in a corner or be on your knees all the time. If I'm in my car, I'm praying. I'm having a conversation with God like I'm talking to you right now. Some of even in this quarantine, some of the best praise and worship I've had has been with me solo in my car with my music on. And one song that really um, pushes me through is I think it's Tasha Lockhart's. Oh, in parts of the song, it says, why me? Because we always question why me? Of course, I've questioned, like, why was this our family? And when I'm driving one day and I listen and she said, why not me? And because God graced me to do it. And that is that's my whole story right here. God graced me to do it. And so um, prayer, 
um, meditation, journaling, um, going to my therapist, you know, even in the quarantine, not being able to sit face to face, being able to text. And we just have this great relationship, um, being able to call. And so I think all those things are important. Um, sisterhood, you know, sisterhood has been important to me right now. Um, like God knows what you need when you need it, because he sent some of the most amazing, strong women to support me and to push me in this and who won't let me stay in my comfort zone. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've sure. always said, take charge of the change before the change takes charge of you. And mm-hmm. I believe you are truly an example of taking charge of a change um, for you and your entire family. And what you've done is not only just going to be present here today. It's going to be present for everybody who takes the time to get this book, who takes the time to read these chapters and see what you got, went through that may help them through. And it doesn't have to be the exact same situation. And honestly, I don't even know if you could draw up the same situation that you went through and say, OK, I had this exact same thing. You never know. But I think you mm-hmm. went through something that has truly made you a stronger woman, a stronger mother, a stronger wife and a stronger friend. And that mm-hmm. sisterhood that you talk about is something that we all need to do a better job with as a community and stop. Somebody said something the other day, they stopped a homeless man and he said, how are you doing? You know what the homeless man said? He said, I'm doing good. He says, you're having a great day. He says, you know what? Today it feels good to be seen and not to be viewed. Yeah. We do a lot of viewing of people. And then sometimes we get the mindset because you have on, you said you had on a cape and the T on your chest. People view you as, oh, she's fine. She's got it. Nobody mm-hmm. checks on the checker. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's the person who more, more than likely needs to be checked on more than anybody else. You know, mm-hmm. care about me and mean it and see me and not just view me. Um, mm-hmm. This leads me to what I like to lead as a final timeout. Ladies and gentlemen, life is going to give you different curveballs. Life is going to throw things at your way time and time again. But you need to have a system of people. You need to have a process of planning and you need to have purpose to get yourself back on the right track. We all go through things and I will never sit here and tell you what you went through is not substantiated. What you went through is not grievous because it's not as crazy as somebody else's story. If it has meaning to you, it has meaning to me. But we as a community and people in general need to take away the stigmatism that is mental health and take the time to take care of your mental health. Because if you can't take care of you, there is no way you will take care of anybody else. Ma'am, Tasha, now, okay. most of all, where can my people go and find this book and get themselves hooked up so they can muscle the strength to fight? Uh, the book is available on Amazon May 24th. So you you can purchase there. Um, you can also go to my website at born, the number two, empowerher.com and purchase there as well. And I would love to invite you to follow my journey on Instagram um, as I go through this process to try and reach as many people as I can, empowering and impacting and not focusing on my trauma, but focusing more so on the triumph because that's what's going to get us through. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I always tell y'all something. You know, Hadrico has never been the hugest reader, but certain books are ones that you must read. And this is a book that you must read because I believe it helps everybody in no matter what spectrum or whatever level you are in life. We want to take the time to thank our guest, Tasha. Thank you so much for you said you stepped outside of your comfort zone. No, nah, you look pretty comfortable to me and you helping people seems to be your comfortable space. So we want to thank you for taking the time to join us here on Hadrico Live. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity.